If you stay in the small stuff and the incremental stuff and you play it safe, you'll just get average, you know, same old, same old, okay. And I don't know, I don't get excited by that, you know, and I think the people and the businesses that I think are most successful, they start with a big vision, a big ambition. Uh, underpinned by a purpose, and then they go for it. They put their heart and soul into swinging out and shooting for a 10. And you know, we're all making mistakes all the time. So, I mean, if I shoot for a 10 and I hit a three every now and again, okay, no problem. Learn from it, what didn't work, and then go again. And Hi, I'm John Fitzgerald, and your host on The Card Podcast. I'm curious about what's changing in the world of work. The conversations we have with our guests always bring in personal stories and unique perspectives for us all to learn from. Hope you enjoy the show. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to The Cord. Our topic today is the CEO perspective on leading change. My guest today is Ali Looms, CEO of Ireland's leading telecommunications company, Air, who've reached a milestone this year as a million homes can now connect to gigabit fiber broadband. I would describe Ollie as ambitious, energetic, passionate, and innovative, and I've asked him on to discuss the role of a CEO in today's fast-moving world. Ollie has a sales and marketing background and started his career with Mars and then spent over 20 years with Diageo, where he was MD and Chairman of Diageo Ireland for over five years. He was also on the board of IBEC and a key player in the drinks industry. He was also founder and chairman of the Open Doors Initiative, which seeks to create employability for marginalized people. So quite a busy person, Ali. And uh, my first question is that coaching question I always ask on the Core Podcast, which is tell us a little bit about your younger formative years, key influences and the values you believed you gained from your upbringing. Yeah, thanks, John. Thank you very much for inviting me onto your podcast, can I say. I'm obviously a huge fan of you and what you do and delighted to be given the opportunity to, I don't know, tell my story and maybe impart some wisdom that might be of some use to someone else in the world. So thank you. My younger years was your question. I'm the eldest of six kids lost my sister about a year and a bit ago, but I'm the eldest of six kids and uh, son to a wonderful mother and father. My dad was a very hardworking dentist and mum worked in the home, originally a teacher. So I came from a great family background, I suppose. The eldest bit, you know, they say that ends up in a bit of responsibility on your shoulders. Maybe it was. Maybe that's a kind of a, an early version of a leadership position within a family type thing. And I certainly learned values of hard work from my mother and father. My dad was, you know, very committed to his job as a dentist in the community. I think I also learned values of kind of caring for people and interested in people from my father. He was a very chatty dentist as he was doing the job on people's mouths and their mouths wide open. He was trying to chat away to them. So I think I got that from him. I went to school in Belvedere College, which was Jesuit-run private school. Again, I was very lucky to have a kind of private education. Belvedere is kind of inner city, Jesuit school on the north side of Dublin. I think I got a bit out of that as well, certainly from the Jesuits, because the Jesuits are very tuned into your role in the world, your role in society. 
you know, they talk about it being a man for others. Because I was in an inner city school, we used to, you know, as active in the Vincent de Paul, going to visit older people in the community and doing sleepouts to raise money and going to Belvedere Youth Club for underprivileged kids in the inner city. So I definitely was tuned into my role in society and in the world and the positive impact that I had the opportunity. And I've kind of tried to take that through my professional life to use you know, the privilege that I have in a leadership position to try and have a positive impact. Yeah. And then you obviously started in Mars and climbed the ranks of Diad. You're working many different commercial roles and many different cultures across Europe, etc. So, you know, what were your key learnings for anybody listening on your journey to become a CEO? I mean, I think the first thing is, and it sounds easy, but to just be yourself to be your real self. I remember getting that wrong once as I was promoted into a new position and I tried to be the person who went before me and it didn't wash. It wasn't authentic. It wasn't real. And the people around me kind of thought, oh my God, what happened to Ollie? Where's he gone? So it takes a confidence, doesn't it? To show up genuinely as yourself, to back yourself and to believe that you're an inspirational leader. So I definitely think I would encourage anyone just to be your whole self and to be authentic and giving and honest with all of your interactions with people. I think people follow people, you know, if they don't see the real you or they can't feel the real you, it's hard for someone to kind of follow you over the cliff, if you know what I mean. So I've definitely learned that over time. I back myself more now. I'm more me. I'm just genuinely me. That's definitely one thing. I think I would say I keep saying this to people. I was in a session with a bunch of people in air last week talking about my career journey. And I say, you know, don't get too carried away thinking about your next career move. Focus on delivering in what you're doing. And then people will come after you and tap you on the shoulder. I think sometimes people can be in such a rush to get up the career ladder and and what's next and what's next and what's next. It doesn't really work that way, you know, get stuck into what you're doing, do an amazing job in it, do the best job you possibly can do. And people will see that and then they'll kind of go, okay, let's give that person a bigger job. So I definitely feel kind of commitment to results and performance is key. And doing an amazing job builds a great reputation. It's like ripples out there, isn't it? The word gets around and that's how you create your followers and your tribe. I think so. Believe that will ripple out from there and don't feel that you have to kind of go and tell the world how brilliant you are. I think, you know, you touched on it there as well. Never forgetting that you're doing business with and through people. And to make sure that you're building relationships along the way is definitely a lesson and a learning for me. I often think about it. An old boss of mine said it once, in your relationships with people, it's like a bank account. You've got to make sure that you're putting deposits into your relationship bank account because someday you'll need to go to that person and you'll need something from them. You'll need a favor or you'll be asking them for something. And if the bank account is empty, there's nothing to draw from. And it's such an important element when you move into a leadership role. It's all about the people and distributing that leadership to others. You can't touch everybody when you're at the top of an organization of what, three and a half thousand people or whatever. So then when you build your reputation within an organization like a Diageo, and then you transition into a new sector, a new culture, and you don't have any reputation and All these eyes are looking at the new guy and uh, who's this guy coming in to lead us? Describe that experience. 
transitioning sector, transitioning organization? <laughs> it was definitely like getting out of a swimming pool that I knew really well, that I was very comfortable in, and you know, going to a distant, unfamiliar swimming space and jumping into the deepest part of it with no supports around. It was definitely a bold move. It was a bit scary. And I'm so glad I did it. I love it. And I would encourage everybody to, you know, in everything, you know, be bold and don't stay in the comfort zone and stretch yourself, you know, push yourself. The growth, the growth that you get from getting out of your comfort zone is phenomenal. You know, and I really do think by and large, people, people figure out how to swim. You have to make sure you've got the right supports. It's, and, you know, you're setting yourself for success. But I got myself out of the comfort zone of food and drink and an industry I knew really well and jumped into something. I And I've got no engineering background, electronics background, telco understanding. So it was definitely bold, very exciting and very invigorating. And it definitely draw, you know, it means you need to be and to rely on everything that you've learned in terms of leadership, in terms of people skills, in terms of relationship. So I really needed to rely on everything I'd learned throughout my whole career. I think Air is an awesome, Aircom, you, you know, as it was, Telecom Air and Post and Telegraphs. It's an awesome organization and, you know, a great company. And I feel very excited about the potential for the company to have a very big impact in Ireland. It has a very powerful purpose, you know, and these days, so much talk about purpose. People want to work for companies with powerful purposes. And maybe that attracted me to Air because Air... And we talk about connecting for a better Ireland. We lay the infrastructure, you know, for mobile and broadband, et cetera, that enables humans, people to live an amazing life, to do what we're doing right now on a video conference, to work from home, to not have to fly to London, you know, and pollute the environment because you can now video conference, to game if you're a kid, to download movies, you know, on a Friday night to watch, you know, we, we're enabling all of that to happen, connecting for a better Ireland, very important for an island nation in many respects. So you have a higher purpose then in what you're doing in air, and I can definitely hear that connecting for a better Ireland. When you look down the next 12 months, and obviously, you know, every month there seems to be another global change of one sort or another. You obviously started in air in a pandemic. That was a virtual transition, I'm sure, for you as well at that time. How did you manage that transition during that time? Actually, as I was coming in, COVID was coming to just kind of coming to an end. So actually, it was probably good time for a transition because people were experiencing that change from a kind of a difficult world, etc., and into a new post-COVID world. And maybe I, in an air sense, was kind of part of that journey. So the timing was probably good. I just spent my first time getting out there, you know, learning the industry, learning the business, meeting the people. For example, we've got our customer care centers in Sligo, Waterford, Cork and Limerick getting out, meeting the teams in those kind of parts of the business, getting into the shops, spending time with technicians, you know, doing installations, etc. So I just kind of spent the time at the start getting out there, learning the business. I'm a real believer in, you know, if you're setting out on a journey, you got to have a little plan, don't you? You got to have a map. So I'm a real believer in trying to get your strategy to be crystal clear. I actually have it now on one page. 
you know, which starts with our purpose, which lays out our ambition. It talks about our values. And then it talks about our deliverables and our enablers, etc. But it's on one page. I spent a few months after I kind of started to learn the industry, working with the team to craft that strategy, to lay out our roadmap for the next few years. And then, you know, I suppose embarked on a process to take that to all of our people. You know, so I kind of went on a CEO roadshow, a national roadshow, and, you know, launched that strategy, took it to everybody, walked people through it. Uh, I obviously do that kind of informally as well through kind of my own podcast that I do to our employee base, et cetera, on a regular basis. And tell us more about how you engage with people there, because, you know, the CEO roadshow, the new guy with the new vision, the new plan. How do you get that across in a human way to people and that they connect with you when you have to touch so many people in an organization? The very fact that you get out there, that you get yourself, you know, into people's worlds, that you take the time, that you go in, that you stand in front of them and tell them the story and explain your vision and excite them about the possibilities that you see and what you want to achieve with the company. I talk a lot about our values, customer-centric culture, our values like committed to the customer, pride in what we do, simplicity in everything that we do, etc. So you want to make yourself kind of easily accessible. You know, back to that point, people follow people. I'm just a leader who's trying to excite 3,500 people about what we can do and to make them kind of want to be part of that journey and love it, etc. So, you know, I'm just getting out there telling that story. Yeah, I find that people kind of respond to that. You know, 3,500 people know the strategy, are excited by it, are clear on it. And, you know, and listen to someone who's talking about that in the context of purpose and inspiring culture, then you've got a better chance of those 3,500 people wanting to stay in the company and bringing their best to the company. I definitely find purpose does that, by the way, you know. I want to ask you a quick question. Is your organization going through unprecedented growth, restructuring or change? At Harmonix, through our consultancy and coaching work with business and HR leaders, we face one common challenge, the overwhelming pace of change and not enough time or resources to properly reset to become future fit. If you would like to register for a free diagnostic session with one of our team of experts, go to harmonix.ie to get in touch today. Now, back to the podcast. Yeah. And how do you, you know, engage people now? You're very involved in connectivity. When you look at the hybrid world of work, what's your stand on that? And how have people evolved, you know, in the last three years from working in the way that they do now? I think you're right. Actually, we probably are highly tuned into it, given the technology that we're in, well aware of the positive impact that our business and our technology is bringing to enable people to kind of live in that new world. I mean, it's been an unbelievable amount of change, hasn't it? Five days in the office are history. Most roles now are remote and hybrid. And I think people have a heightened sense of work-life balance. We hear it all the time. They don't want to go back to commuting every single day, five days a week, and all of the wasted time that involved in my opinion, it's to be embraced. We're taking out a lot of wasted time out of the world. We're taking out negative environmental impact of buses and cars and all of the rest of it. That's a good thing. 
And I think judging people on outcomes is better anyway than judging people on the number of hours that they sit at their desk. So listen, I think it's fantastic. I really do. And I think we're still probably as a society still trying to figure it out. But I think there are definitely times where you need to bring people together. And we talk about, you know, for collaboration, for innovation, for ideation, etc. So I love having people together, but I don't want to force it in a way that's kind of value destructive, really. So and I think digital and online and video conference, etc. is brilliant. Look at this right now. I mean, I would have had to, I don't know, travel to court, Limerick, or you would have had to come up here. Blah, you mean, highly efficient. Absolutely. It's embracing new tools that we have at our disposal. And I definitely think, you know, the word embracing it is something that leaders need to do more of. And, and rather than be challenged by not seeing people and people back to purpose, people need to be together for a purpose rather than coming into offices and doing their own individual work and going home and saying, well, why did I need to travel here today? So I think it's just being adult about it and realizing that the world has changed and we as leaders are leading people through a changing time in society. You know, this is a once in a hundred year change that we're going through. And uh, I was reading recently where the global HR director of Microsoft, Kathleen Hogan, you know, she penned an article on the human energy crisis. You were talking about, you know, sustainability, etc. And I think there are traditional models of leading and managing now that uh, are really far the past. We've got to be thinking more about this, this VUCA world we live in. We've got to be more adaptive to change. So, you know, when you look at your leaders and the, where they should be focusing their energy within your organization, where do you believe, you know, they should be? And you're very much a, a person to get out and about and meet people. From a leadership perspective, when you look at your leaders in the organization. I have to start with the word purpose again. I think if you can inspire every single employee behind a common purpose, it's very powerful because a purpose-led organization, we know all of the research says purpose-led organizations perform better because the people in the organization care about what they do, can connect to what they do. And then people, you know, they shift mountains to deliver against that and no matter where they are. So, and that's like, I think, you know, I will get all of the energy that I need from all of the 3,500 employees if I can find a way to get them to be inspired by what we do, to tap into our purpose and, you know, and everything that we're bringing to Ireland and Irish society. That's what I'm trying to do. ESG is an interesting one as well, I'd say, John, in terms of energy, because again, if you know the talk about younger generation are, are very driven by companies with purpose, but also by companies that have a positive role in the world from a societal perspective, from an environmental perspective as well. And, you know, even the fiber that that air lays is very positive from an environmental perspective. I've just spoken about the fact that it takes cars off the road and planes out of the sky. It's 60% more carbon efficient than the old technology, copper. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't have the same amount of defects and faults, and therefore you don't have to have truck rolls to go out and fix all of these repairs. So, so even that technology is having a positive impact on the environment. And the challenges you face then in trying to bring an organization, you go back to Post and Telegraphs there, you know, Aircom, it's been around for a long time and 
What are the key challenges you face in trying to transition an organization with people who maybe have been there for quite some time and you're trying to bring them on this new journey as a CEO? I think AIR is a company that's transitioning. As you said, it's been around for 100 years. It's coming from the world of kind of landlines and copper into this very dynamic, modern space, enabling people to live fantastic lives. And, you know, and fiber does that and 5G technology does that. We're even taking some of our old legacy infrastructure, like our phone boxes, and transforming them into EV charge points, etc. We're using artificial intelligence AI to figure out when do we turn on and off our, our towers to maximize energy efficiency, for example. So, and yet you're right, we've got people who've worked in the organization for over 40 years and you're trying to attract new people as well. So, you know, and I think that's all brilliant to be honest. And it's fantastic that people have chosen to spend their whole careers with AIR. But I think it's also fantastic that our purpose inspires younger people to want to come at this forward-facing organization. And I think the answer lies in the word diversity in my opinion. And I am 100% convinced that more diverse organizations make better decisions because they've got richer conversations and richer inputs and people coming from different perspectives so that you have a fuller conversation. And that leads to better decisions. And I'm very driven by, you know, maybe I learned this from my time in Diageo, or I experienced it from my time in Diageo, but um, I'm very driven by ensuring that AIR is a diverse organization. Sometimes you hear this kind of Gen X versus Gen Z kind of thing, oh, you know, they haven't a clue, or I don't know, I think Gen X can learn an awful lot from Gen Z. And maybe Gen Z can learn a fair bit from Gen X, not to make it too binary, but like we all need to have an openness and a hunger to stand in other people's shoes and learn from other people and be curious about, you know, rather than immediately jumping to put kind of things down, et cetera, you know, so. It's a missed opportunity I see in many organizations where, you know, there's groups of them and groups of us rather than mixing the diversity of people. And and what came to me there when you were talking is this, this growth mindset, a learning mindset and being open to different perspectives. and. That's where organizations, I'm sure, like yourselves, are creating opportunities to facilitate people to be able to come together and learn from each other rather than this is the way we used to do it around here. So it is a mindset shift rather than just a skill set shift when we look to the future of work. It is, yeah. And I've, I've been very tuned into and very curious about growth mindset thinking and Carol Dweck, et cetera. And I had a lot of you know, a lot of focus on that in my time at Diageo, and hopefully I'm bringing some of that into where as well. We've got a very dynamic leadership development program now where we're really invested in the growth of our people. We started kind of at the, the top and the top 100, et cetera, but that's now cascading down through the organization. And I think, you know, I think growth mindset and always hungry to learn more, to experience more. That's critical, I think, to business success, isn't it? You, you know, if you're standing still and you think there's not opportunity, then um, you're going to be going backwards. So any parting advice that you would give to others a, that might be listening into this as a CEO and what they can learn from your leadership journey to date, Ali? 
it's a bit like the start of the conversation, you know, which is build relationships at every touch point along the way, deliver performance and your career will look after itself. I received some great advice in terms of kind of two things spring to mind, actually. I had one senior leader in Diageo, an old boss of mine, used to say, shoot for a 10 and risk a three is better than playing it safe for a seven. And that line always stuck with me. And the CEO of Diageo, Ivan Menezes, rest in peace, used to say, swing out. You know, and I always had this image of, you know, the guy at the baseball player. I mean, I love the idea of being bold and swinging out and going for it. And in my career, I really have found if you stay in the small stuff and the incremental stuff and you play it safe, you'll just get average, you know, same old, same old, okay. And I don't know, I don't get excited by that, you know, and I, I think the people and the businesses that I think are most successful, they start with a big vision, a big ambition, uh, underpinned by a purpose, and then they go for it. They put their heart and soul into swinging out and shooting for a 10. And, you know, we're all making mistakes all the time. So, I mean, if I shoot for a 10, and I hit a three every now and again, okay, no problem. Learn from it. What didn't work? And then go again and go for a 10. And I tell you, when you hit a 10, you do something big and bold. Oh my, you know, it's fantastic. It's transformational and it's energizing. And I don't know, I mean, in my marketing career, definitely, I, I mean, big, bold plays in terms of innovation, in terms of programs, they make all the difference in the world. So that's definitely one piece of advice I'd say is, yeah, and it's really interesting going back to an earlier part of the conversation when you were talking about getting out of the swimming pool and going into new waters. We asked this question of people on our career management programs around, tell me about a time when you were at your career best. And everybody goes back to that time when they were brave, when they stepped into a new role, when they took on a new opportunity. And if we look at our career journey and you know, if we haven't had a career best moment in the last three or five years, well, then we're plateauing. We're not being at our best. And it's a real indication then when people say, well, that was actually 12 years ago when I describing my career best moment. I guess a real question for anybody as we go on our career journey is to keep, you know, shooting for that maybe 10 each year. And there will be some years that it might be a three and there might be some years that it's a seven. But the ambition was there. I have a visceral feeling in my own life that, you know, to live, it sounds trite because you hear it a million times, but to live things to the max, to live in the moment, to live for the day and to make the very best of everything. I had a health scare myself. I think you know that, John. The big C, you know, and I got through it and I'm cancer free and all the rest of it. But it was probably the best thing that happened to me because it made me realize that, you know, this is it. <laughs> People say it's not, a, you know, it's, it's not a dress rehearsal. This is the one life that you have. It would be a disaster to regret not swinging out, not being bold, not going for it, to regret that at some point because you're kind of running out of road, you know, so... I really do think we all should just go for it every single day. And I just mentioned to you, just as we were joining the Zoom, the, the um, Ivan Menezes, the old CEO of Diageo, just passed away this week. It's the saddest thing because he was just about to retire at the end of June. 
and he's gone. And I, I can't believe that he was an, such an inspirational leader, such a wonderful man. And um, it really brings it home. You know, people were saying, oh, he's about to move into a wonderful period of his life, retirement, etc. I'd say not at all. Don't think about it that way. You're in the wonderful period of your life today and tomorrow and the next day. And that's the best leadership advice. That is the best leadership advice to live your best life. And we dedicate this podcast to Ivan Venzes and uh, his great legacy that he left. And again, isn't that what we're all about, is leaving a legacy uh, here. So just as we wrap up, if there's one person that motivates and inspires you, who would that person be and why? I thought about that question and... I'm going to duck it slightly. To be honest, I'd have to say my parents and my father who are still alive and who I'm still inspired by every single day because, you know, they have believed in me. They have seen possibility in me. They have, you know, supported me and unlocked kind of growth in me and given me their time, you know, as parents tend to do for the children. So, you know, take huge inspiration from them and you try and kind of emulate that as a parent with your own children. And, you know, you hear as well that, you know, the subjects that you do well in school were the subjects where the teacher, you know, supported you and saw growth possibility in you and leaned towards you, etc. So my answer to your question actually is, I think we should all be trying to take inspiration from everyone and everything every single day, the positive and the negative. And not narrow it down to one person, you know, I I think there's so much that we can be motivated by and inspired by in every interaction with everyone. So I'd say I'm always trying to kind of be hungry to see inspiration in something. As I say, it can be negative and it can can be a a negative thing and that inspires you to kind of do something different. Try to be, you know, try to lean towards people. Um in the way that your parents or, or, or that teacher would have done. Um, I don't know. As I say, I'm, I'm kind of ducking it, but that's what I would say every day. I think you're giving a, a really human answer. And, you know, it just goes to show the most important role we have in our lives. Uh, you know, our parents, we are the leaders of those coming after us and everything stems from there and how we are. Isn't it great that uh, your dad and mom are still alive and can listen to this and uh, can see the impact that they've had because we're not here forever and as we've just discussed. So, I mean, a great conversation around, I guess, leadership, but also what's really important in life. And when we talk about the CEO, we often think of this person with a job title and they're up there in their ivory tower. Really what we've discussed here is that we're all human beings. We all have highs and lows in life. We can have health scares and live for today, not tomorrow, because tomorrow might never come. But it is so important that we do the best we can when we're here. So thanks so much, Ali, for your time in the podcast today. Thanks a million, John. Thanks for asking me. I loved talking. Thanks for listening to The Core today. We would really appreciate if you could follow, subscribe and share as we seek to grow our community of listeners. Speak again soon.